that being said, I uh, actually want to introduce you to a friend of mine, uh, Ryan Coatney. And uh, Ryan is, is here with us today. He's actually a church planter uh, in uh, Donaldson. And, uh, and uh, he's going to go ahead and come on up. And uh, he is, he's planting uh, a church they just started a year and a half ago. Uh, I know he's going to talk to you a little bit about that. Uh, the name of the church is Grace Story Church. And when, he, and when he shares the mission behind that, it's like, whoa, just like, uh, you did that in the first service, and just like man, it just like rolled over me. Like this, the mission, you know, kind of about even with the name. I mean, you didn't say it was about the name, but I mean, I got it, you know. And I was just like, dang, that's good. Uh, but anyway, um, we support in very small ways uh, several church planters. Ryan is one of those. And uh, one of the things that we said from the get-go, and I, I said this, other staff members were like, look, if we're going to support these guys, if they're guys that we trust, we should invite them so that our people can come and at least at some point during the year uh, get, to hear from, get to hear from you, get to hear what's going on, get to hear the mission uh, these, that, uh, that God has given you. Uh, how many, just out of curiosity, how many of you work or drive through or go by the Donaldson area at some point on average in, let's say, like a month? Just out of curiosity. I'm not going to call you out. Don't be afraid. Yeah. Yeah, quite a few of you. Well, their church is right on Donaldson Pike. That is the area that God has led them to, to minister to, uh, and, and, is, and is already growing and doing great things there. And so uh, I, I want to challenge you to do something. I want to challenge you that if you drive through there, let's say you drive past Donaldson Pike on Bradley Parkway, let's say you're going down Donaldson Pike or whatever it is, I want to challenge you to pray for Ryan and for their church, for Grace Story Church. I, I think that that would be just an awesome thing. And of course, as God may lead you to pray for them outside of that too, uh, you know, but to, and maybe you know people in, in that area. Maybe you know somebody down there. You're like, you know, I know somebody that's living over there and they, they, they need a church or whatever. Uh, you know, send them, send them their way, you know, let them, let them know about this church. You know, I mean, you and I both know that sometimes people just need to kind of hear from somebody else uh, a referral before they're like, oh, is that, were they crazy they in a storefront or whatever, you know, kind of thing. And so, uh, but yeah, you know, uh, what, a, what, a, what an awesome opportunity for us and, uh, and to be able to partner together in ministry. Uh, such an awesome thing, such an awesome, awesome thing in what God's doing in them. Uh, and uh, I, I'm just asking you if you would to be praying for them. Uh, if you got a little extra money in your pocket and you need to give it to him today, you know, God leads you to that. I mean, the, he's, you know, planning, planning a church is not easy, okay? Uh, it is not easy. It is hard. Uh, just paying your bills as the church planter is not easy. They've got their third child on the way right now. Uh, not know, like, not right not, now. Not right to second. That? Because that would be, you'd be, you'd be a really bad husband and dad if that was true. I know. Uh, hey, there have been moments I've been standing up here where I'm like, are we going to have a baby while I'm yeah. up here? I know it. What's, how's that going to work? I'm going to be like, tag, you're it. <laughs> Come on, Steve, you can talk about the pats. Uh, <laughs> so uh, the gospel of Gronk, right? Uh, you know, but uh, yeah, so... Uh, but anyway, no, I just want to. I just want to. I just want to say uh, thank you, Ryan. Thank you for your faithfulness for listening to the Lord. Uh, I'm 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 proud of what God's doing uh, in your all's life. Uh, I, I'm just gonna say I, I was sincerely blessed this morning through through the message that you shared. I'm I'm excited that you're getting to share it again uh, with our people. Thank you for being here. I'd like to pray for Ryan right now. Let's let's pray together for him if that's okay. 
God, we just lift Ryan up to you. Uh, We lift Grace Story Church up to you. And God, I just pray that you would do unbelievable things through Ryan and those that are called to be a part of that church, Lord, that you would use them for your glory. God, I just pray that, that, uh, Lord, the gospel would go out, that lost people would be saved. God, what an awesome opportunity in an area where literally it, it is a melting pot of people from all over creation that you have brought into that area for them to minister to. God, I pray. I pray that you would use them. Pray that you would be glorified. Lord, speak through Ryan today. Uh, Lord, just uh, may your gospel go out. Lord, we love you. We thank you for all that you're doing here. Thank you for what you're doing there. Uh, God, as we seek you, may it be together and for your glory. We ask this in your name. Amen. Thanks. So we're going to be in Psalm 67 this morning. And I'm going to read it first, then I'm going to tell you a little bit about our church, and then we're going to get into this psalm. And the story of our church and the story of this text really kind of go together a little bit, so that's why I'm going to do it that way. Psalm 67, if you'll turn there, we will dig right in. Psalm 67. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth Fear him. So we started Grace Story Church in fall of 2017, and it's crazy thinking about the age of our church because I think about our church as being not a baby, but then I look at my little girl who is a month younger than our church, and she is a baby. You know what I mean? And so our church really is still just a baby, a little bit more than a year and a half since we launched our public worship services. We started with a handful of folks and We've grown our squad, you know, from birth to grown up to around 60 folks. And I'm praying that this year we'll grow up to around 80 folks. It's kind of baby steps, steady growth. And one of the things I'm asking our folks to pray for is, first of all, that very thing that we would grow from around 60 to around 80 this year. The next thing that I'm praying for is that we would find a space that can accommodate that growth. Because right now, we're meeting in a space that's about the size of your stage, and it's a, little bit, it's a little bit crowded, you know? If everybody shows up on the same Sunday, which people don't always show up on the same Sunday, you know what I'm saying? But when we do show up on the same Sunday, it's pretty crowded. And so for us to grow, we're going to have to actually outgrow that space. So we need to find a place that can accommodate the growth. And the reason that we want to be able to accommodate that growth is because of our third prayer, we're praying that everyone in our Donaldson neighborhood would know that we exist. There's 14,000 households in Donaldson, and 1,400 of those have moved in in the past year, and the head of household is younger than 40. 14,000 households, and the old Donaldson is mostly, people call it a, it's a NORC, a naturally occurring retirement community, 
is what they call it because the houses are mostly ranches, you know, all on one level. So people can stay there even after they retire and continue to live in their homes and all that stuff. So Donaldson is mostly older folks, but the people who are moving into Donaldson are all 40 or younger. Like I said, 1,400 just last year. So 10% turnover every year in Donaldson. And we're praying that as these people move in, these are people who haven't grown up in church. These are people who aren't from around here. These are people who are from all over the country and who don't have a background in an an evangelical Bible-believing kind of church. And so we're praying that we'll have an opportunity to know them, to share with them the story of Jesus Christ and what he's accomplished for us on the cross, and that God would bring them into our community. And Here's the reason that we exist. We exist in order to invite everyone in Donaldson into the story of grace. We exist to invite everyone in Donaldson into the story of grace. Because here's the deal. Everybody has a story. Everybody has a story. And the story of grace can either be a hard sell or it can be an easy sell. And here's what I mean. Like if you're a person who has it all together, If you're a person who your behavior is pretty good, if you're a person who your business is going pretty good, if you're a person who just got the promotion, if you're a person who just landed the date, if you're the person who just got straight A's, if you're the person who just got the scholarship, if you're the person who just made the team, then you might think, well, I don't need grace. All I need is somebody to look at me and recognize how much I have it together. Maybe yours is a story of success. Maybe yours is a story of of prosperity. Maybe yours is a story of just having it together over and over again. And so the story of grace can be a little bit of a hard sell. I don't need that. But for others, the story of grace is an easy sell because maybe yours is a story of frustration. Maybe it's a story of heartache. Maybe it's a story of recent failure. Maybe you didn't get the job. Maybe you didn't get the promotion. Maybe you didn't score the date. Maybe you didn't make the team. Maybe you didn't get the grades. Maybe you didn't get the scholarship. Maybe things aren't going your way. Maybe you don't have it all together, which, by the way, we're about to have our third kid, and we are not the parents that have it all together. We stink at two kids. You know what I'm saying? But number three is coming. We do not have it together in that way, and I don't have it together in a lot of ways. And so for me... The story of grace is an easy sell. The story that God looks at me and he accepts me because of Jesus, not because of me. The story that God is not looking for me to please him. God is not looking for me to impress him. God is not looking for me to measure up. The story that God is not going to compare me with other people, but that he's going to accept me because Jesus Christ has obeyed him perfectly on my behalf. And Jesus Christ, his body was broken. And when it was broken, he took my sin and broke it with him, left it in the grave. And now God looks upon me with favor. He looks upon me with grace. That's an easy sell for me. And God is looking for people who desire a story like that. That's exactly who Jesus came to save. And so we want to invite everyone in Donaldson, whether they're the self-righteous who think they don't need grace or whether they're the down and outs who have never heard a bear's story in their lives, we want to invite all of them to put their story aside and walk into the story of grace. That's what our church exists for. That's what we're trying to do. And here's the thing about this passage. 
that we read, it begins with this idea, it begins with this prayer that God would show us grace. It begins with this prayer that God would be gracious to us and bless us. And here's the thing. All of us are deeply in need of the grace of God. There's a famous theologian called A.W. Tozer, and he said that the most important thing about you is what you think about when you think about God. The most important thing about you is what you think about when you think about God. Well, I want to twist that just a little bit. I want to tilt the prism just a dab, and here's what I think is the most important thing about you. The most important thing about you is what God thinks about when he thinks about you. The most important thing about you is what God thinks about when he thinks about you. And this is the truth. If God is thinking about you and he's considering you on the basis of what you have done, on the basis of who you are, then there is not a man, woman, or child in this room who is not in a desperately, desperately horrible predicament. But if God, when he thinks about you, is considering the righteousness of Jesus Christ, it changes everything. Changes everything. And some of you are thinking, well, I, I honestly, I, I think I measure up pretty good. Some of you are thinking, I don't know if I'm that bad. I don't know if my sin's that bad. I don't know if God's really going to look at me and think that I'm all that evil or wicked or sinful or whatever the word is that you have floating around in your head. I, you are thinking to yourself, I might take my chances. God, just line us up and pick out the best ones, and I think I'm going to be all right. Because you're thinking that your sin is not a big deal. Well, I, I want to just try to get across to us why sin is a big deal. I want you to imagine just for a second, there's an ant crawling down the aisle, comes up, comes up the steps because it's a polite ant, comes over to me and I step on it. Anybody mad? Anybody mad at me for that? Stepping on the ant? No? Okay, cool. Now, imagine next, right after that, a butterfly flies into the room and it kind of floats around, lands on your head, just kind of flutters beautifully through the room, and then comes and lands on my finger. And as the butterfly lands on my finger, I rip off part of its wing, and then I let it go, and it flies away. Is anybody mad at me now? Anybody? Yeah, a few people are away. A few of you are getting mad. I just want to check. Now, right after that, right after I do that to the butterfly, a puppy comes into the room. This is like one of those oodles, you know, like some kind of oodle that everybody loves. And this little oodle comes in, makes his way up here. And as it gets up right to where I'm standing, rather than pet it like all you guys did, rather than let it lick me like some of y'all did, I just punt it to the back of the room. Now, is anybody mad at me now? Okay, remember, it's just make-believe. Just make-believe. Now, imagine that right after that, my wife comes into the room, bringing my little 18-month-old daughter. Okay, I'm not going to go there. But look, check this out. Nobody cared that I stomped the ant, and the ant is dead. The butterfly 
The butterfly's got a little piece of his wing missing, but it's going to be fine. It's probably flying a little bit crooked, you know, but it's fine. And you guys started, I saw a few hands. The puppy sustained no injuries, just a little bit of embarrassment from getting punted to the back of the room. And some of you were getting pretty angry. So look, the injuries got less and less, but you guys got more and more offended. What's going on? Because you know that a butterfly is more valuable than an ant, and that a puppy is more valuable than a butterfly, and that my little baby girl is unspeakably more valuable than any of those things. And what happens is the magnitude of the offense rises with the glory of the one offended. I'm going to say it one more time. The magnitude of the offense, or the how bad the offense is, rises with the glory of the one who is offended. And so the slightest injury against a puppy becomes much weightier than actually stomping an ant to death. And you guys know that emotionally, even if you don't think about it much in your minds. So here's the deal. If that's the case, if a puppy is that much more valuable than an ant and the offense is that much greater in the case of a puppy than in the case of an ant, what happens if we sin against God? How slight of an offense takes on eternal weight when God is the one offended? So don't tell me that sin's not a big deal. Sin's a big deal because God's a big deal. And that's why, that's why you and I are in desperate need of God's grace. In fact, I would say that God's grace is the most important thing about you. God's grace, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, is the most important thing. Thing about you because God's grace determines what God thinks about when he thinks about you. For those who believe in Jesus, God thinks about you as his child. God thinks about you as the righteousness of Christ. God thinks about you as a faithful son or daughter. God thinks about you in these loving, family-centered ways. And for those who haven't believed in Jesus, God thinks about you, and you know what he sees? He sees you. None of us, none of us can measure up if that's the name of the game. But thank God that's not the name of the game. Here's the next thing. This grace, this most important thing about you, I've just spent a lot of time convincing you that it's the most important thing about you, but watch this, it's not about you. <laughs> The most important thing about you is not about you. I learned this lesson the hard way when I got married. I realized life is not about me the same way that it had been before I got married. We're on our honeymoon, and we were in California on the coast. It was amazing. And the first morning after the first night, I woke up, had breakfast. And as soon as we finished breakfast, I went over by myself and started reading a book because that's what I'm used to doing, right? I've been single for a long time. I get done with breakfast, I go do my thing. I read a book. I drink some coffee, whatever I want to do because it's my life and it's about me, right? Well, I look over and my wife is crying 
because she thought that since we're married and we're on a honeymoon, I might actually pay attention to her. And that's the story of how I used to be married. And the story of how I began to learn that life is not about me. And through marriage, through becoming a dad, I've learned that lesson over and over and over again. The psalmist is well aware of this because watch what he says. He wants God to be gracious in verse one so that in verse two, your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. He doesn't say God be gracious to me because I like grace. God be gracious to me because grace is good. God be gracious to me even because I need it and all that is true. But he says, God, be gracious to me so that the whole world can see who you are. Be gracious to me so that the nations can know about you. Be gracious to me so that your saving power will not be our little secret. Be gracious to me so that my life can win people into your kingdom. My little boy and I read all the time. And lately, we've been reading a little bit of Curious George. And there's this scene in Curious George when George is up in a tree and all the animals are coming running past the tree. And he's trying to figure out why are they, why are they all running like that? And all of a sudden, he realizes that the reason they're running like that is because they've seen a fire off in the distance. And I think that's like grace. People ought to wonder, why are they living like that? It's because we've seen something that they haven't seen right? It's like these other animals saw the fire in the distance. They're running. But we've seen the glory of God, so we're living in a certain way. We're walking in a certain way. And the psalmist says, hey, I want your grace. I want your blessing so that the world can see who you are in my life. Because the most important thing about you is not about you. Here's the next thing. God's justice, so the grace of God is the most important thing about you. The most important thing about you is not about you. And here's the next one. God's justice is for everyone. Now, when I say God's justice, what I mean is God's plan to make everything the way it's supposed to be. God's plan to make everything the way it's supposed to be. Now, human beings have corrupted everything, right? In the garden, you know the story of Adam and Eve. They're presented with this fruit And the serpent tells them, hey, if you'll eat this fruit, you won't need God anymore because you yourself will know the difference between good and evil. You won't need God to tell you. You yourself will be able to kind of peek behind the curtain and be able to see the way you can live your life. You can make those decisions. If you'll just eat this fruit, you won't need God to tell you. You won't need God's help. You can do that yourself. And they said, hey, I'm on board with that. Let me be God. Perfect. And then they ate the fruit. And ever since then, you and I have been trying to decide on our own how to live our lives. Ever since then, you and I have been trying to decide on our own what's best. Ever since then, you and I have been trying to outsmart God. And because of that, the world is deeply corrupt. But God's plan is to make everything the way that it's supposed to be. When I think about everything being the way it's supposed to be, you want to know what I think about? Think about barbecue. Mm-hmm. I love barbecue. And I recently on a trip, stopped for some barbecue in a place called Dudley, North Carolina. Now, there's a restaurant in Dudley, North Carolina called Grady's Barbecue, one of the oldest joints in North Carolina, whole hog barbecue. And I wanted to go there, so we went an hour out of the way on the way to the beach so that I could taste this barbecue. 
Now, we go in, and just like our church, this place is about the size of the stage, maybe a little smaller. And you go in, it's kind of a beat-down building, and you order from Mr. Grady's beautiful wife, who is just kind and gracious, and make sure you have everything that you need. And you sit down, and you have this barbecue sandwich. And I hadn't had Mountain Dew in about seven years when I sat down for this sandwich, but I grabbed a Mountain Dew out of the cooler because after this moment of tasting this barbecue, I wanted to taste the glory of God on my tongue. You know what I'm saying? I wanted, I wanted a transcendent moment after this transcendent experience. And here's the deal. When I bit into this barbecue sandwich, I looked my wife straight in the eye and I said, baby, I just tasted holiness because it was amazing. But the reason that I think about this barbecue when I think about God making everything the way it's supposed to be really doesn't have as much to do with the sandwich because all the way there, the entire hour out of the way, we were passing cotton field after cotton field on our way to be served barbecue by this 85-year-old African-American man and his wife. This 85-year-old man who has cut his pits down to half the height that barbecue pits usually are so that at the age of 85, he can get onto his knees and flip the hog like he used to do on a full-size pit. This 85-year-old man for whom those cotton fields probably have a much greater significance than I can even imagine. And if you've never been served with gracious, loving hospitality by an 85-year-old African-American couple just after driving for hours through cotton fields, I can tell you it's a unique experience can change your perspective. Because here I have this picture of beauty and honesty and faithfulness and just coaxing the glory out of that hog. You know what I mean? Just giving it everything he's got. And this beautiful hospitality contrasted with this picture of human depravity and the scars that we bear on our history, right? And here's the thing. God's plan is to make everything the way it's supposed to be. A world where there's glory in every bite. A world where there's holiness in every situation. A world where everywhere you look, everything you see, everything you're experiencing just testifies to the goodness and the glory and the perfections of Christ. That's the world that God is making. And his mission is to do exactly that, and he wants to do it through your life. God's justice is for everyone. So there's no kind of person who's not included in this plan of God's. But it's for everyone who believes. Everyone who will place their faith in Jesus Christ can take part in this story. It's kind of like an hibachi grill. I love hibachi grills. I love when they put the fire in the onions. I love all that kind of stuff. But the thing I don't like about hibachi grills is they just sit you beside whoever they want, 
You know what I mean? Kind of like, have you guys been to the coffee shops where they have the shared space? Which means that when you sit down in your seat, it's like not your seat, but anybody can come and sit with you because it's a community kind of table. That is hard for me. But church should be exactly like an hibachi grill, exactly like a shared space where every single kind of person is welcome. And no matter who sits down beside you, we don't get to complain. We don't get to judge. But instead, we enjoy God's grace, and we enjoy seeing others enjoy God's grace. Look at verse 6 and 7. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. Now, this word fear, it doesn't mean be scared. It means reverence. It means to look upon God and see him for who he is. It means look upon God and think, man, God sure is different from me. Man, God sure is powerful. God sure is holy. Man, God sure is righteous. That's what it means to fear God. And, and so what the psalmist is saying is this weird thing that their harvest time has come. God's showing off in their life through his provision. God's showing off in their life through his faithfulness. And somehow, everybody else is supposed to be getting excited about this. Somehow, everybody else is supposed to be thinking about how good God is because of this. Now, I don't know about you guys, but when I smell smoke rising from somebody else's grill, I don't get excited about that. I only get excited if I smell smoke rising from my grill, right? Because I'm the one who gets to eat it then. But if somebody else's grill, then they're the one that gets to eat it. So how does this work? Well, it must be the case that God expects his people to share his provision. That's why the nations can get excited. That's why the nations can be glad. That's why the nations can now live in holy fear of God because they're going to actually partake in God's goodness and God's provision with his people. In other words, and this is the point I want to get across, is that God's provision in your life is for your neighbors, God's provision in your life is for your neighbors. Now, I, I've talked about food a lot this service. And I didn't do it as much in the first service, did I, Chris? But I've talked about food a lot this service. And one of my favorite foods is banana pudding. Anybody else like banana pudding? By the way, it's an abomination to serve banana pudding cold. Don't do that. Banana pudding should always be hot. And in fact, when I go home, I ask my mom to time the meal so that the banana pudding comes out of the oven at the moment that I take my last bite of supper. You know what I mean? That's, that is banana pudding as it should be. And I love my mom's banana pudding. And usually if there's banana pudding at my mom's house, I can count on it being for me. But one of the recent times that I went home, I got home, there's banana pudding on the counter and I make a mad dash. All right. She's like anticipating the visit. It's not right at the perfect moment of dinner getting ready, but that's okay. It's banana pudding. Let's do this. And I go to go start digging in the banana pudding. And next thing I feel is my mom pulling me back and said, that's not for you. And, you know, that hurt. (laughs) But the beautiful thing is, watch this. 
God's provision in your life is like that, but it's not like that. And let me tell you what I mean. That banana pudding was for some other family that my mom made the banana pudding for, not for me. And therefore, I didn't get to enjoy it. But God's provision in your life, look, it's for some other family than you. It's for, like God's provision for this church is for the people who aren't here yet. That's true. It's not for you. So let that sink in. But what's different is, like how my mom pulled me back, right? That's not what God does. God says, enjoy my provision and share my provision. In other words, God doesn't withhold his goodness from you. He blesses us mightily. And we're supposed to enjoy everything that God provides for us while recognizing that all of his provision is not for us. We simply get to enjoy it while we're on mission, sharing the truth about Jesus with the world, with everything we have, everything we are, and everything we know. That's why God made you. A lot smarter people than me have said it this way, that God doesn't have a mission for his church, but God has a church for his mission. Mission comes from, that's why you exist, for the mission of God. My wife and I, just, just a little while after we had kids, started to realize that kids get sick a lot. I've seen more snotty noses. I've seen more sickness just in the few years that I've been a dad than my whole life combined before that. It's been crazy. But the the moment that I want to talk about is the moment when my boy, Farmer, first got sick enough that it was all hands on deck. It wasn't just my wife could take care of it. It wasn't just daddy's going to sleep and mama's going to take care of his sick buddy. It was, no, this is a big one. You're going to have to help. And so all night long, she and I are tending to this sick child. And afterwards, the next day, my wife says, you know what? Last night was rough. I hated having to deal with the sickness. I hated that farmer had to go through that. I hated that we had to stay up all night. But I loved who we were in that moment. We felt more like a team than at any other moment in our marriage so far. We felt more like we were together in this than at any other moment since I've known you. And here's what I know will happen in this church. As you pursue the mission of God, as you pursue this truth that God's provision for you is not for you, as you pursue this truth that God's grace is the most important thing about you, but it's not about you, as you pursue this truth that God's justice is for everyone, as you pursue these truths together, you're going to begin to experience community that's richer than you've ever experienced before. You're going to begin to look at each other, not just as people who sit and listen to the same music and the same preaching every week. You're going to begin to look at each other, not just as people who show up at the same place at the same time every week but you're actually going to begin to see each other, to experience each other as teammates, people that you depend upon to help push the mission of God forward. And that will change everything for you. And I know that as a church, you guys are already living on mission. 
but I also know how churches work. I also know that there are a number of people in this room who haven't yet understood that you exist for this one purpose, to be on mission with Jesus. That is why God made you. That is why God decided that you should exist. So I just want to challenge you, give yourself to the mission of God. As a church, give yourself to the mission of God. As a family, give yourself to the mission of God. As an individual, give yourself to the mission of God. Everything you have, everything you are, and everything you know. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for its power and its clarity. Thank you for the power to convict, the power to heal, the power to transform. I pray that you would lock your word into the hearts of your people and that you would begin to use it to shape us into the likeness of Jesus. For whose sake we pray, amen.